But you start with faith. Faith that God will bring you through the judgment. What does the, pre- the preacher say? What did he call God in this section? Very important, very important to note this. The preacher hardly ever titles God. He calls God God, but he titles God God here. What does he call him? He calls him the All of a sudden, Solomon takes you out of the coldness of a courtroom and he puts you into the warmth of a pasture. He says, this is relationship with God. He is your shepherd. Doesn't that move you? I can imagine Solomon. He's a little boy. David, his daddy, is on the harp. What does he sing? The Lord is my shepherd. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. We have Christmas, we have Easter, we have these grand moments in the life of the church when we get reminded of the great teachings of Scripture. And one of the great teachings of Scripture is what it says at the end of the second article of the Apostles' Creed. What does it say? Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. And today on Last Judgment Sunday, we're reminded of this. We're going to look at a scripture here that teaches this from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. This is the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. This is what the preacher here writes to us about Last Judgment. He says, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They are collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now, all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. This is God's word. There's a scene in a famous book called The Great Divorce that gets us to where we need to get to in this sermon. It's a scene where this searching man is invited into heaven. And he very politely declines it. And he heads off to his discretion group in hell. 
it's probably for a moment worth kind of zooming out on this, on this scene. What happens is there's this guy who's, well, let's call him a searcher in life. He searches and he searches and he questions and he questions and he investigates and he investigates, but he investigates and he searches and he questions so much that he decides that there is actually no truth to be found. So he gets to the gates of heaven and he's invited in. And he's invited in like this. He says, no, he's invited, no atmosphere of, in, of inquiry anymore, for I will bring you to a land not of questions, but of answers. And you shall see the face of God. And the searcher very politely replies. He says, ah, but we must interpret those beautiful words in our own way. For me, there is no such thing as a final answer. The free wind of inquiry must find, must always continue to blow through the mind, must it not. And so the discussion goes. Until finally he checks his watch. And it was time. He left his invitation to enter into heaven behind because he had a discussion group that he had to attend down in hell. It's a blood-curdling scene. It's a blood-curdling scene on the one hand because it reminds you that our God is a God who does not want anyone to perish but everyone to come to a knowledge of the truth and yet some people won't ever believe it. On the other hand, it's a blood-curdling truth because it reminds us in a day and age that says you can believe whatever you want and you most certainly can. That doesn't make it true. We can wish away these eternal realities. We can think they don't exist. But it doesn't make it true. The reality remains. That for some of us. This is the closest we will ever get to heaven. But for those of us who believe. This will be the closest we ever get to hell. C.S. Lewis writes that book to bring us to an end of the searching. The preacher does too. He wants to bring us to a conclusion. He wants us to stop with the investigation, stop with the skepticism, stop with the denialism, and finally get there. He finally got there. He said, here is the conclusion of the matter. This is significant for the preacher. We've seen it. He observes things in his, books, his book. He questions things in his book. He's looking and investigating things in his book. Eleven chapters of it. Finally, he arrives. He, want us, he wants us to as well. It's what he's been helping us do. That's what he said. He said, the words of the wise are like a goad. They're like this tool that you get out and you, and you poke the beast to try to get it where you want it to go. That's what he's been doing with us the whole time. He's been, he's been goading us. He's been trying to get us there. But he did it with wisdom. He's not like the guy. We've all seen him before. He stands on the corner of the city street with a poster in his hand. You know what it says. 
Not this man. The preacher has done it like Mary Poppins. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So it's love and truth. It's beautiful sayings. He takes us there in the end to the truth. And the truth is this. God will judge you. That's the conclusion of the conclusion. He says, God will judge you. God will judge you. Stop with the questioning. Stop with the writing of the books, the investigating of the books, the searching. Stop with it. God is going to judge you. That's the conclusion of the conclusion. God will judge you. He says God is going to bring every deed into judgment. Every single one. You're going to go home later today and you're going to eat something. You'll be judged for it. You're going to go home tonight. You're going to brush your teeth or not. You're going to be judged for it. You know what else you're going to be judged for? You're going to be judged for how well you brush your teeth. How often you go to the dentist. You're going to be judged for it. The preacher gives you four categories. He wants you to process through this. This is how this works. This is what's going to happen. There's four categories. There's what's hidden about your life. And there's what's open about your life. That's the first two categories he gives you. There are things that everybody knows about your life, you and everybody else. It's open before God and humanity. It's open. Then there's things that are hidden about your life, your hidden motives, the things that are hidden in your heart that you don't even know about. There's what's open, and then there's what's hidden. And then there's what's good, and then there's what's evil. We don't get to decide either one. What's hidden What's open, what's good, and what's evil, you're going to be judged for all of it. So says the preacher. This is the awkward part of the sermon where I have to try to bring this home. It's heavy. Maybe I can help you meditate on how pervasive and extensive the judgment is by doing this. Do you realize... The judgment that is happening in this moment. I'm going to be judged. I'm not talking about you right now. I'm talking about me. I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be judged for what's open about this sermon. Whether it speaks about God or not. I'm going to be judged for what's hidden about this sermon whether I'm preaching it to you because I love God and I love you or not. I'm going to be judged for whether it's good or bad. I'm going to be judged for that, whether, whether it pushes you to God to, to trust Him and love Him and, and fear Him and repent to Him and be saved by Him or not. I'm going to be judged for all of it. So will you. So will you. 
I heard a district president, a district president is somebody who's in charge of an area of Lutheran churches. He found something out when, when Lutheran churches call to replace a pastor. He found out that every Lutheran church wants the same thing. Probably every church anywhere wants the same thing. You know what they want? A gifted preacher. <laughs> so you know what he started saying back? He started saying, all these Lutheran churches, we want a gifted preacher. You know what he started saying back? You know what Lutheran pastors want? Gifted listeners. There's an art to both. I'm going to be judged for this preaching moment, so will you. There's things that are open about it, like whether you attend this in person or online, you're going to be judged for it. There's things that are closed about it, hidden about it. You can sit there like a stone, you know, impervious to everything that I'm saying. Or you can take it in like a sponge. You're going to be judged for it. You'll be judged for what you do with it, whether it's good or bad, whether you put your faith in Jesus, his sermon pushes you to that, or it doesn't. You're pushed away. You're going to be judged. For everything. How are you, you responding to that jerk who cut you off on Whiskey Road? How you spend your money, what relationships you invest in, how much you invest in those relationships, how conscious you are of God as you go about your life, everything. You're going to be judged. Now, I... I should point this out to you. I did not tell you how. You did that. I didn't do it. I didn't tell you how you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged in one of two ways. You can either be commended or you can be convicted. If you're convicted, you're going to get a sentence. If you're commended, you're going to get a reward. I didn't tell you how you were going to get judged. I just told you that you were. You did that. You did that. That uh-oh in your heart, you did that. I didn't do that. Were you right to? I caught this TV show the other night. It was about this lawyer. Lawyer, horrible person. Horrible person. Womanizer, horrible guy. Brilliant lawyer loves to find loopholes in the legal system so he can get bad guys off. Brilliant lawyer. The guy on the show, he finds this legal loophole and he gets this guy off who had taken a skillet to his mom and killed her. Gets this guy off and a couple days later he becomes a serial killer, does the same thing to his next door neighbor. Guy ended up making so many people mad that at the end of the episode... The lawyer ends up having a guy stick him up with a gun, ends up thinking he's going to die because he had pulled another legal stunt, made somebody so angry. The lawyer ends up surviving. He tells his friend afterward, he said, I always thought that I would die of a homicide, that God would make that happen. 
because of how I've lived my life. There it is. Judgment. We can deny it. We can suppress it. We can pretend like it's not ever going to happen, but we're going to be judged. And the law is the law and rules are rules. That's how reality works. One day we'll face it. God is going to rifle through the cabinet of your life. All of it. It's recorded. No, let's not use that illustration. That's kind of antiquated. Let's use this one. It's a cell phone video. God's got it all on tape. When he plays it back, what will he say? There's a poet from the 1200s, Thomas D. Solano. He said this. He said, see the book exactly worded, wherein all has been recorded. Thus, the judgment shall be awarded. But now let me back up for a second. What did the preacher say? What did he say? He said, God will bring every deed into judgment. He didn't tell you how. You did that. He didn't tell you how. There's another option. In fact, he assumes that you know the option. There's another option. What's the other option? He's, he, what the, we found out the conclusion of the conclusion, but how did he get to his conclusion? Do you remember what he said? Where did he start? He said, fear God and keep the commandments. Where does he start? He starts with a faith filled. That's what fear is. When you fear God, you're conscious of him. You trust in him. You're aware of him. You have awe of him. Fear God. He starts with a faith filled, a trust filled relationship with God. So as it turns out, this is how it works. You have faith. And then you love God back. You have a trust-filled relationship with God and then you go on to keep His commandments which are love incarnated. But you start with faith. Faith that God will bring you through the judgment. What does the, pre- what does the preacher say? What did he call God in this section? Which is very important, very important to note this. The preacher hardly ever titles God. He calls God God, but he titles God God here. What does he call him? He calls him the shepherd. All of a sudden, Solomon takes you out of the coldness of a courtroom and he puts you into the warmth of a pasture. He says, this is relationship with God. He is your shepherd. Doesn't that move you? I can imagine Solomon. He's a little boy. David, his daddy, is on the harp. What does he sing? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Little boy Solomon grows up into an old man. How many sins has he committed? We've looked at some of them. And he remembers that the old man, the Lord, is my shepherd. 
He will bring me through the judgment. You know this. The Lord, when He came, what did He say? I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. They listen to my voice. They don't listen to other voices. Somebody came out of church last Sunday. It was the best compliment I've ever heard in my life. He said, that was like Jesus preaching. My sheep, they know my voice. They follow me. They don't follow anybody else. They know that I'm going to take them past the judgment. I lay down my life for the sheep. He's a shepherd. Out of the coldness of the courtroom, into the pasture of a shepherd. The Lord, he told a story about that once. Do you remember it? He said, let me tell you what life is like with me. There can be a hundred sheep. Ninety-nine of them are just fine. But there's this one, he's off on a ledge. He's about to jump off because of the judgment. I go and find him. When I get there, I take the sheep, I put it on my shoulders I put it on my shoulders. Does that remind you what the prophet said? All we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The shepherd shoulders the judgment. He hoists it up on his cross beams. He lays down his life. Thomas D. Salino put it like this. He said, Think, good Jesus, my salvation caused your wondrous incarnation, made you suffer my damnation. The shepherd, think of this, becomes the Lamb of God who lays down his life for the sheep. And he takes you past the judgment. That's not me. Christ said that. I didn't say that. Christ said that. The person who believes in me, they have moved past the judgment. They have gone from death to life. It's, It's over. It's past. It's done for you. Your wicked stuff, at least. Sin is done. That's the conclusion of the matter. It died with Christ. But it is not the end of you. Oh no. It's not the end of you. To put it like the great shepherd's apostle put it. And now. This remains. Faith. Hope. And love. Sins are gone, but this remains. Faith, hope, and love. First faith. Do you know what the most painful thing to experience is in life besides your own wickedness? The wickedness of others. It keeps happening in life. It's one of the things that the teachers have been trying to 
to get into our souls. The irredeemability of life apart from God, we can't do it. What is crooked, he said, cannot be straightened, not by us. What the judgment promises is that God will. He will take everybody who's, who's, who's drawn with a crooked line and he's going to straighten it out. He's going to take everything that is robbed from you in life, sum it up, account for it, and give it back the way it's supposed to be given back. That's what the judgment does. It sums it up. It gathers it up. It makes it right. Again, faith believes that will happen. Somebody here needs to hear that today. Somebody's listening to this. You've been abused. You've never been the same. You need to know God is going to make it right to you. Somebody here, the ark of your life got stomped out somewhere along the way. You need to know that God is going to make it right. Every crooked line is going to be straightened. Everything that needs to be summed up and accounted for, it's going to be accounted for. This is faith. Jesus put it like this. Behold, I make all things new. First faith. Judgment day means he's going to sum it up. He's going to make everything right again. Second, hope. The preacher told us all the way back in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that what God did is he placed eternity in the heart of mankind. Eternity has been placed inside of you. This is why the world isn't enough for you. Nothing in the world is enough for you. You long. You never cease to long. Why? Because God has placed eternity in your heart. This life in this world is not enough for you. It never will be, so you long. But eternity will. One day, the eternity in your heart is going to be matched by the eternity that God gives to you. The poets try to help us thrill to this. One poet said eternity is like this. Eternity is like this massive mountain. It's three miles wide and it's three miles high. Every 500 years, a bird flies over the top with a silk scarf in its mouth, <laughs> gently touching the top of the mountain. Eternity is like when the mountain has been worn all the way down. Another poet put it like this. Eternity is like a steel ball. It's as big as the earth. <laughs> Every million years, a fly alights on it. When friction has finally worn it down, that is morning in eternity. One day the eternity in your heart will be met by eternity itself. And I'm not just talking about length of time. For those who are baptized into Christ, for those who receive His body and His blood and have covenanted with Him, this will be the judgment. Come, 
You are blessed by my Father. You take the inheritance prepared for you since the creation of the world. First, faith. God will make everything right. Second, hope. Eternity in your heart will be met by eternity of life itself. And third, love. I'm going to try to get a running start on this one. God judging you is actually a massive compliment. Do you realize that? If he, if he didn't care about you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't care to notice. He happens to care about you. He's very interested in you. He's very interested in you, who you touch, how you live, who you are. He's very interested in you. That's why he assesses every part of you, you in your life. God's judgment shows his care. It's a massive compliment of you. You matter that much. See, you thought it was just brushing your teeth. It's not. It is you caring for a body in which the Holy Spirit dwells and has made it his temple. You thought it was just a job. It's not. Somewhere, somehow, some little girl is being blessed and cared for because you do what you do. Oh, you thought it was just a conversation. It's not. It's two immortal people talking from which ripples are going to ripple out into eternity. You thought it was just a sermon. It's not. It is a moment in which you can grab a hold of God. He's talking to you, saving you, convicting you, comforting you, saving you, sermon by sermon by sermon. God's judgment is a massive compliment. He cares enough to assess you. He still does. And that's a good thing. See, it's, it's only a good thing. I already told you before, he's already judged your sin. <laughs> he did that on Christ's cross. What he hasn't yet judged is your good works, your love. That you will do. The great teacher of the church, a guy by the name of Francis Pieper, put it like this, in the judgment of the righteous, only their good works and not their evil works come into consideration. The former can't because Christ atoned for them, but the latter can and the latter will. He will commend you for your love and reward you. I don't have to go anywhere else except to Christ and his teaching. What did he say? He said, don't let anybody else see your giving. Do it in secret. You know why? Because then the Father will reward you. That's what he said. He said, you, you, you find one person in my church who needs a cold drink of water, you deliver it to them. He said, you will not lose your reward. 
He said, you get persecuted for me, you hold up, you praise my name, you get persecuted for me, you will, you will not fail to receive your reward in heaven. That's what he said. You're, you're not going to be judged for your evil works, Christ was, but you will be judged for your good works and he's going to commend you and he's going to reward you in eternal life. They don't save you, Christ saved you, but they will be commended. Christ will make your love matter. I'm going to close the sermon just like that with the suggestion about how you might start with your love. And I'm going to do it based on one of Christ's quotes. You ready? Here's where you can start. Receive this sermon. Christ taught us this. He said, receive the prophet, prophet, and you will receive the prophet's reward. Receive the prophet, you'll receive the prophet's reward. A good place to start is by receiving the sermon. You're going to be judged. That's a good thing. Not your evil works that was judged on Christ's cross. Your good works, you will be commended. So receive it. Now, there is faith. God will set everything right in your life. He will make it all add up. Second, there is hope. God will meet the eternity that he's placed in your heart with an eternity of life itself. And third, love. God will make it matter. Let's pray. I thank you, Father, that you are the king, our shepherd, the one who lays down our hearts in the green pastures of the gospel. Cause it to be for us both food and drink and rest. Give your people faith today, Father hope and love in the name of Jesus who has caused us to pass over already from death to life 